today is getting more and more um, to be less and less relevant if all we talk about is biological fathering. Because frankly, we're living in a society where um, a lot of kids are raised without their biological fathers. And uh, even in the early church, there were a lot of people that had to leave their families and they had to leave their fathers in order to serve the Lord. So I mean no disrespect to our biological fathers this morning, but I'm not going to do a Father's Day sermon about your biological dad, but you may or may not have had a great relationship with. If you did, I'm glad you did. If you didn't, I'm sorry that you didn't. But I would say that whether we did or we didn't, we all need fathers in our lives. And we all need father figures in our lives. And I didn't really know what to call this message because I don't think there's the right word for it. I'm calling it surrogate fathers, but when you look up surrogate fathers, sometimes they mean fathers that replace your natural father. And that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about whether you had a wonderful natural father or not. We need other father figures in our lives. So I'm going to read from 1 Kings chapter 19. This is how, just also happens to be where I'm at in the one-year Bible uh, in my reading time, and uh, I love this story. This story is very tender to me, um, and the Lord is talking uh, to Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19, if you have your Bibles. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus, and when you get there, anoint Hazel, king of Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, from Abel, Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Anoint your successor is what he's saying. And then skipping down to verse 19, so Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him, threw his cloak around him. So Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, then I will come with you. That's kind of, that's kind of interesting. Kiss your natural father and mother goodbye and I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. Now, now think about this. This is his tractor's right? He slaughters his tractors. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat. So he takes his plows, which are wooden back then, he burns them. So he cooks his plows and his tractors and he gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. And then in 2 Kings chapter 2, we get to the end of Elijah's reign. And it says, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I'm not going to leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And the company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yeah, I know, Elisha replied. Shut up about it. My Bible says, so be quiet. 
But that's what he's saying. I don't want to hear about it. I know. Just shut up. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I'm not going to leave you. So they went to Jericho. And the company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know the Lord's going to take your master from you today? Yeah, I know, he replied. Shut up about it. Then Elijah said, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I'm not going to leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went, stood at a distance and facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elisha took his cloak, rolled it up, struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken up from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah said, yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not be. And as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. And Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, it's not his biological father, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel, and Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him, went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over it. The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. It's been said that there's no success without a successor. It's a terrible thing if you would live your life and live a great life, and, but when you come to the end of your life, everything that you accomplished sort of dies with you, and there's, there's no legacy and nothing lasting that would be left there. But we read this morning about Elijah passing on the mantle to Elisha and the legacy of Elijah continuing. Surrogate fathers, I'm going to define surrogate fathers this way. Men outside of your biological adoptive or foster father who empower you by imparting their wisdom and knowledge. Men outside of your biological adoptive or foster father who empower you by imparting their wisdom and knowledge. Now, in our culture, we're familiar with some of this, even on the TV shows we watch. And so I'm going to show you a few of them on the slides coming up. Um, First, you're going to see, go to the next slide, Mr. Wilson from Home Improvement. Remember him? He's the guy that stands over the fence and you never see his whole face. All you see is his eyes and his, his nose the whole, the whole time that the show is on. But he becomes a surrogate father, uh, not only to Tim the tool man, but to the whole family there. The next is John Keating from Dead Poet Society. He became a surrogate father to those boys in the boarding school. One, one of his quotes that he said to the boys, So avoid using the word very because it's lazy. A man is not very tired. He's exhausted. Don't use very sad. Use morose. He said, language was invented for one reason, boys, to woo women. And in that endeavor, laziness will not do. 
and it also won't do in your essays. And then, of course, from the Lion King, we have Timon and Pumbaa, who after Simba's uh, father Mufasa dies, they take him out into the uh, Serengeti and they teach him a very important lesson. And what are the two words they teach him? Hakuna Matata, right, which means no worries. After the death of his father, they teach him to begin living again and that life goes on and, and they teach him to have joy again and, and they were surrogate fathers. We, we talked about this guy in our Easter series, Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights, who said, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. He was a surrogate father to those boys on the football team. And then uh, we have uh, the next one, Philip Banks, Uncle Phil. Before you criticize someone, he said, find out what he's all about. Star Wars, we have Obi-Wan Kenobi, who becomes the surrogate father. Uh, we have Dr. Sean McGuire in Goodwill Hunting, who said, real loss is only possible when you love something more than you love yourself. Then we have Master Splinter. <laughs> the path that leads to what we truly desire is long and difficult, but only by following that path do we achieve our goal, he said. Then, of course, you may remember Mr. Miyagi, wax on, wax off, in The Karate Kid. Uncle Ben of Spider-Man, who says, remember, with greater power comes greater responsibility. We need these these, uh, uh, illustrations from our culture teach us that we need people outside of our biological fathers uh, who are there to, to teach us and to instruct us and to impart things to us. One of the things about, um, about these surrogate fathers, if you're taking notes, there's a place in your bulletin to fill in these blanks here. And so, so the phrase is surrogate fathers, dot, dot, dot. And the first thing I want to say is that surrogate fathers impart gifts that you didn't know you had. They impart gifts that you didn't know you had. I remember when I was a, a young preacher, I, I had left our denomination, and I was like a man without a country. I didn't have a way of finding a church or no way to, to know how to find a church, and yet I had this, this call of God in my life. And there was a pastor in Nashville, Tennessee, by the name of Pastor Hardwick. And, and he had something that my natural father didn't have, because my natural father was still in my denomination, and as wonderful as all of my upbringing was, it was going to limit my sphere of influence. If I was going to stay in that group of people, I was going to, it was going to heavily impact the rest of my life. But so I'd made this decision, and I felt like I'd made this uh, response to a call of God to leave my home and to leave my denomination with actually the blessing of my parents who were staying behind at that point in our denomination and and I didn't have any place to go and I remember Pastor Hardwick, pastor of and he's one of my overseers here at this church but he's a pastor of a great church in Nashville, Tennessee and he saw things in me that I didn't see in myself and I called him one day and I said, Pastor Hardwick, do you know of any churches that are looking for, for pastors? And he said, Interestingly enough, there was a, a church that called me in southern Illinois, and they said, do you know of any ministers that are looking for churches? 
Pastor Hardwick, who was pastoring a megachurch, about 5,000 members at the time. I'm a 27, 28-year-old kid. He has no reason to spend any time with me. But for some reason, he wrapped his cloak around me and found an interest in me. And he saw things in me that I didn't see in myself. Time when I thought my life was over, basically, in terms of career-wise. So Pastor Hardwick did that for me, and he, and he saw he, he invited me to be on the national board of a group that he'd started called Global uh, Network of Christian Ministers. And here I was, this kid. I had no experience. I had nothing, no, no resume, actually, to be on a board like that. But for some reason, he just, he just laid his hands on me, and he empowered me, and he, he imparted gifts in me that I didn't know that I had. And we had an amazing time in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and it's just so neat to have a couple of our folks from Southern Illinois, um, David and Julie Zoller, who are just precious to me. And uh, the church in Illinois is precious to me, and I don't, can't talk about it a lot because I can't be blubbering up here all the time, but still precious to me. And uh, he imparted gifts in me that I didn't know that I had. The scripture, God said to Elijah, go anoint this guy named Elisha to succeed you. Give, anoint him, give him gifts. And I don't really know whether it's giving them gifts they didn't have or they're unlocking things inside of them that they didn't see. There are people that you need in your life that see things in you that you do not see. And they can unlock places inside of you that you didn't know you had and they can call things out of you that you didn't know you had. And these are what surrogate fathers uh, can do. Pastor Hardwick, one time when we were in southern Illinois, we had, we had um, uh, moved our church into a gymnasium, and the gymnasium was getting full, and Pastor Hardwick came, and I was so proud. I, I showed him our plans to build a new building. We were going to build a building, Julie, right where the gym was. We were going to build a building right out there in the yard. It was going to be doable. It was going to be manageable. We could see it. We could see where we had the money and everything. I took Pastor Hardwick out for dinner, and Pastor Hardwick got real quiet, and he said, I don't know if this is the Lord or not. He said, but if I were you, I would go out onto the highway and find some property with a roll to it because the property that you're presently on is not going to be able to contain what God wants to do uh, through you and in you here in southern Illinois. I thought it was the biggest dream I could have ever imagined. And Pastor Hardwick caused me to dream more. We went from there and paid cash for 27 acres of land. And then we built a building uh, that uh, is just an... And Julie, and they can, they can, it's the nicest building in the city. It's the most beautiful building in the city. Uh, God allowed us to do that. I was talking to Pastor Rick the other day, and he was saying, man, he said, I don't know if I'd have built that building, you know, back then. He said, I'm really glad you did. But, uh, you know, man, I don't know if I'd have ever built that building. And I just looked at him. I kind of laughed. I said, well, Pastor Rick, I said, some people dream the dream, and other pastors pay for it. No, <coughs> you can tell him I said that. <clears throat> We paid for it for seven, eight years while I was there. And uh, Pastor Rick is just doing a great job uh, paying down the debt. And, and the building looks better than it ever has before. I was there last week. But Pastor Hardwick allowed me to see and dream things that I could have never dreamed before. And we accomplished more than I ever would have dreamed. If I die today, I've accomplished more than I ever dreamed that I would ever accomplish in life because of some surrogate fathers in our lives.
Another thing that the surrogate fathers will do, and we learn it from this story, is they will break you out of the status quo. Elisha has to leave the family farm. It's all that he ever knew. Generation after generation was you have a kid, the kid does the farm. The next kid does the farm. The next kid does the farm. The next kid does the farm. And and, and there's nothing wrong with doing the farm year after year. But we need, even if he doesn't leave the farm, he needs some surrogate fathers who teaches him how to farm smarter. Or how maybe to get some more acreage on that farm. But, but, but God called something in Elisha that caused him to need to leave the farm. And I love what Elisha does. Elisha makes it impossible for him to go back. He burns the tractor. He wasn't just having a party. He knew that if the plow stayed in the barn and the cattle stayed in the barn, there would always be a temptation to go back. So he burned, when he follows the surrogate father, he burns everything that was before so he can, he can follow his calling. And I was thinking back on, on this story. Um, when, when I was a hospital chaplain, this, that, this was all occurring when I was talking to Pastor Hardwick. And, and I was a good hospital chaplain. And they, and they had offered me a supervisory position as a hospital chaplain, and I had a career track. I could spend the rest of my life as a hospital chaplain because that's where my gifts were. But how many know that sometimes there's a difference that your callings and your gifts are not always the same? So I was gifted and I could do it, but there's something about your calling that has to do with your passion. When there's a call in your life, I I didn't understand why I went to Southern Illinois and I went to a tiny little church there at the time and and, and everything would have said no in the natural, but God said yes. And and why did God say yes? Because there was a calling involved. And when God's call gets involved, it will sometimes put you at odds even with your own giftings. He's going to call you to do things that you didn't think that you could do in your own natural giftings and so i remember the day that i had to burn the i had to burn the tractor in a sense while i was there it was an interesting thing that happened the church in murfreesboro they called me to do what we called back then a tryout they would have like several preachers come try out it was like a betty crocker cook-off the best preacher wins you know you got to go preach your best sermon and uh, whoever preaches the best sermon becomes the pastor it was crazy that's the way we did it back then though it was a preach-off. So, so it was my turn to preach, and I preached. I gave them my best shot, and uh, I came back home. And there was two guys. There was only two guys running, me and one other guy. And I was actually friends with the other guy. And we were at a conference together, and me and the other guy. And uh, it was the night before the election, you know, and we're trying to act natural around each other, and we know we're kind of up against each other, you know. And, and uh, the guy came and said, Hey, Phil, I want to talk to you. I just want to tell you that I have pulled my name out and I'm not going to be running for that church. And I'm thinking, hey, hey, you got your new pastor. So I'm waiting for the phone call. I'm waiting for the phone call. I'm waiting for the phone call, and they never called. So I called the next day to the pastor that was still there, and he said, um, he said I don't know how to tell you this, Phil, but he said, the church, you were the only name in the hat, and the church decided... Uh, not to decide. Wow. But they said, we're still interested. 
and, and, we, and, you know, and we'd like you to come back again, and we'd like to talk to you again. Meanwhile, my boss at the, at the hospital came to me and said, Phil, he said, um, we would like to offer you a promotion. We would like you to be a supervisor at the hospital. So I had the supervisor at the hospital, or this church that's kind of rejected me but said, stay in the game. And so I told my boss at the hospital, I said, you know what, I'll give you an answer, but I'm still waiting to hear from this church in Murfreesboro about um, whether they're going to bring me on as their pastor. And my boss, I thought very wisely said, Phil, I'm going to need an answer by tomorrow. And I think you need to decide that if God's called you to Murfreesboro, go to Murfreesboro, but if God calls you to do this, do this. Because if you come to be the hospital chaplain only because you didn't get the job in Murfreesboro, that's not why we want you here. We want you here because this is what you really want to do. I thought that was very wise on his part. And I went home to to talk to Melanie about it, and I went back the next day kind of with my knees knocking, and I went to my boss with Murfreesboro, still being way, uh, I felt like a slim chance at the time. And I just said to him, I said, I don't know how to do this. If I have to, if I have to start a little church here in Oklahoma City, I'll do it. But God's got a call on my life. And I said, I cannot take your supervisory position. And when my, uh, I was doing an internship, when my internship runs out here, I'll be gone. And so I said no to that. I burned the farm equipment. I burned the possibilities. And when I did that, thank God Murfreesboro called me to come be their pastor. But uh, uh, if you're going to break out of the status, and there's a reason I bring that up this morning, because I think we have too many Christians that, that are putting one foot in the church and they still got one foot on the farm. In other words, I feel like there's not enough sold-out Jesus people these days. And that the churches have become very watered down because, because we haven't burned the farm equipment and said, you know what, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. And so it, it may, maybe that's for somebody here today, that, that the word that you need to hear today is, is sell the farm and burn the tractors. Don't put one foot in the world and one foot in the church. You know, and if, if the church works out, great. But, it, but if it doesn't, I'm going to go back to the world. At some point, you've got to break out of the status quo and say, you know what? No matter what, I sense a call of God on my life, and I'm going to go. How many know what I'm talking about this morning? You've got to burn the tractors. Mm. If you want real power in your life, you have to burn the old way of life. Surrogate fathers will take you places you never thought you would go. Elisha left that farm, and he got to go all over that known world there with Elijah. He got to go to places. Chan, when you follow the Lord, he'll take you places you never thought you could go. He'll let you do things, you know, when you were in your video classes and you were wondering what you're going to do with that. God will use you in ways that you never thought that you could be used before. 
There's some people in this church right now, you don't know it yet, but some of you are probably going to end up in Kenya one day on a mission trip with me and, and, and Ashley and Evans. You don't, know, you don't know what inside of you there is locked up inside of you and the places that God will send you because there's people that will, will lay hands on you and they will call things out of you and they will take you places that you never thought you would go. I think about you, Judy Bagwell. You've been all over the world. You've been places. You, you, who, this little girl from where were you, Morristown or, or Kingsport? Or, so Kingsport, this little girl from Kingsport going all over the world doing things for God all over the world. And and, and there are people that called things out of you and Morris, and and God brought you places and used you all over the world, and he's still using you today. He'll take you places you never thought you would go. And And then you'll accomplish more than you ever dreamed. You'll accomplish more than you ever dreamed. Elisha said, Elisha said, I want a double portion. I want a double portion. Elijah, everything that you're doing, I want a, I, I want a double portion of what you've done. I, I, I looked up last night. Someone did all the recorded miracles of Elijah in the Bible and all the recorded miracles of Elisha in the Bible. There were 14 recorded miracles of Elijah. There were 28 recorded miracles of Elisha. Exactly twice. He said, I want to double portion everything, Elijah, that you've done. I, I, I want to I do it, and I want to take it farther. Let me just tell you something about fathers. Fathers want their children to exceed what they did. I didn't leave Murfreesboro so that Murfreesboro could hold a memorial to Phil Nordstrom and the things that would happen there. I am seeing and believing that Christ Community Church and the ministry there is going to go farther than it ever did when I was there. And in so many ways, they're already doing so. I want to see see God use some of you in ways that you guys can go places that I can't go. Do things that I can't do. And people can lay hands on you that 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 will make you go and do things that you never thought you could do. My, my daughter Natalie called me the other day, Dad, I've had a flat tire. Being the great dad I am, I said, well, call the guy who, uh, you know, the, the, the roadside service, you know. I'm, I'm not your typical dad, you know, like construction kind of dad. I'm not, I'm, that's why I got the roadside service phone number, you know. And she was frustrated with me, I could tell. And, but I was arranging things to get her help and all that. And she called back, she said, don't worry about it, Dad. She said, Tom's over here. <laughs> Dadgum, Tom. Tom's this, Tom's this construction kind of dad, you know, that, uh, and, 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 and uh, Tom's the guy that sold Natalie her house. And he didn't just sell her the house, but he keeps fixing it up for her, takes her to antique shows, teaching her how to do business, all this kind of stuff that I can't teach her. And you know what? I'm great with it because, because let me just tell you something. Your biological father cannot be everything that you need your biological father to be. I'm not dissing the biological father because the biological father has a role in your life. But we need people in our lives. So, so when Natalie gets married, yeah, I walked her down the aisle, but Tom was ushering. 
You know, because he has, a, he has a role in her life. And there's other people that have roles in my, you know, my daughter just got back from C of O and I'm watching her fly way beyond ways that I have done. But there's been some professors in her life. There have been other people in her life that have mentored her and, and, and helped her and, and, and pushing her on to the next level. You can accomplish more than you ever thought you could accomplish. So what do, you, what do we do? And I'm going to ask the worship team to come back and... Um, Let's do the song we ended with. So, so what do we do? What, 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 do, what, what do I want you to do with this message? I would say find somebody who's got a fathering gift that you want or need and serve that person. The Bible said that Elisha went and served Elisha. I'll do whatever, you, because, because Elijah still has a job. He still has a job. And if you're going to learn from fathers, you just got you, you, you to find some place of service. And so, so Elisha went and served a father. Spiritual mentors in my life know that I'll do anything they want, anything that they need that I can do, I'll do it because they've imparted so much to me. But the next thing is carefully observe their way of life. Hebrews 13, 7 says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. I just did a funeral last week. That's why I was gone last Sunday. A 95-year-old member of our church in Southern Illinois who at 95 was going out to get her mail and got hit by a car. Unbelievable. Still lived in a house by herself. She was one of the most encouraging, mentoring people in my life the whole time that I was there uh, in Southern Illinois. And I had the honor of doing her funeral. At her funeral, I just, at the end of the message, I just pointed at her and I said, here lies the greatest sermon you will ever hear. Here lies the greatest altar call that you will ever respond to. Look at the outcome of their life. Don't just listen to their words, but how do they live their lives? Watch their families. Watch how they do. Watch how they do things. When, when we read that story of Elisha, he's like, I'm not leaving. I'm not, I'm not leaving. I'm not taking my eyes off you. I'm watching you. I don't care if you tell me not to watch you. I'm watching you. Sometimes it gets a little overwhelming for fathers. We're like, you know, just go away for a while, please. I'm watching you. And don't you love that little line, you know, where there's a, your father's going to be taken away from you today. Shut up. I don't want to hear about it. I'm going to watch him. I'm going to watch him to the end. Watch their outcome. Watch their lives. And then, finally, insist Insist on their blessing. Insist on their blessing. Be, be, a, be a pest. Get what you want. Ask for it. Teach me how to do this. I want to I wanna learn this. I, I want to learn this skill. I was talking to Evans. Uh, Coy's not here. He said, Evan said, I want to I wanna go out in the woods and find a place away from people and spend some time with God. I said, I got to hook you up with Coy. 
McCoy knows every private, every private path in the, in the Smoky Mountains, and he's a man of prayer, and he'll be glad to take you. I said, Evans, insist on Coy. Coy's got what you need. I don't have it. I don't have that. Coy's got what you I've got some fathers in this church that, that, that father me and, and bring me skills that, that I don't have and that, and that help me. We need surrogate fathers. Amen? Amen. Shall we bow our heads in prayer? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for being the ultimate father. And, and none of us, Lord, earthly fathers can match that. And so, God, we need supplements. We need people that can give us areas that we lack and areas that we need. And I thank you for this story of Elijah and Elisha that reminds us, Lord, of the importance of the importance of being a father and also an important sort of finding fathers. I just pray, Lord, that in, in Life Church, which I think is the best kept secret still in North Knoxville, I thank you, Lord, for the variety of ages that we have in this church. I thank you for all the young people, but I, I thank you, Lord, that we're not just a young people church. I thank you, Lord, for all of the seniors that we have in this church, and I'm thankful, Lord, that we're not just a senior church. But I'm glad, Lord, that you've given us fathers and that you've given us mothers in the Lord. And I pray in the name of Jesus that the older would teach the younger and the younger would look up to the elders, Lord God, to unlock gifts in us that we didn't know that we had and to take us places that we didn't know that we could go and that would help us accomplish, Lord, more than we ever thought we could accomplish. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. While every head still bowed and every eye closed, I wonder if there's anybody here today that's ready to burn the farm, sell the farm and burn the tractor and say, you know what? I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. I give you my all this morning, Lord. I'm not, I'm, I'm not in this, Lord God, to see how it works out, but I'm in it to win it because no matter, um, no matter, Lord, how much I've been able to accomplish without you, Lord, there's a calling in my heart that wants to go farther than I've ever gone before. If that's you in this place this morning, would you raise your hand and say, I, 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 I want to sell the farm. I want to I go all out with Jesus. Would you raise your hand in this place right now? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we've decided to follow you. No turning back. No turning back. We thank you for this day that you've made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.